0: Speaking of Reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Shankelberg.
1: And this is Chris Jackson. And Fred and I were just talking about uh, what happens when we have incomplete data. Um, I suppose what does the incomplete data actually mean?
0: <laughs> as opposed to not enough data or uh, not enough samples, which is a different problem. Uh, right. But this is prompted from a, a, a question I got uh, the other day. And this was through the About page, which we often talk about as a, a way for you to get in touch with us uh, of many ways you can get in touch with us. Um, but uh, Alfredo um, commented that they have a piece of equipment that they put in, they know has been in service for eight years, uh, and they only have the failure history of that equipment for the last three years. And the question is, is how do you come up with a reliability prediction or reliability estimate or probability of failure, um, knowing that you're missing five years of data on that piece of equipment? Mm -hmm. Um, so that was the, the gist of the question. How, what's the right way to go about doing that? Um, but it brings up the bigger question is that we often have data that we know is not complete in one form or another. And so it's kind of the, prompted that question over to you, Chris. Is uh, And I know that you've got a webinar coming up that's actually going to talk about um, dealing with, I think it was expert opinion or um, not expert opinion, making, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on what you phrased the name of it. Uh,
1: now, I too, I need to check it. Let me just go back through my notes and make sure I don't stuff this up, which is my want. Um, how to take the guesswork out of expert judgment.
0: Expert judgment. That's the word. Okay. So it was, I suspect you're going to talk about Bayesian techniques of some sort or yeah. another. But the idea is, is that, well, sometimes the best data we have is, well, we think it's this. And mm-hmm. sometimes we can, and then this, what you're going to talk about is basically, well, how do you do better at doing that? Uh, I suspect. But the, this question was they, um, they have a piece of equipment. He didn't tell me what it was. Uh, so let's assume it was, you know, a piece of factory equipment of some sort, or maybe a big repairable system of some sort. And they only have three of the five years or three of the eight years of information, and so I think it's good on him that he said, well, if I just analyze the three years, I will be getting an incomplete picture of what's right. going on. So that's the first stage of how to deal with incomplete data is recognize that it is incomplete and and deal with that.
1: But uh, what's your first take on this? Um, well, I mean, it's the first, the first thing is that well done. Uh, for actually asking the question in the first place. That's one of the biggest things we want when you're talking to people about reliability engineering and coursework and things like that. You don't necessarily want people to walk away as reliability engineering masters. That would be nice, but you just need to know when to ask. And this is obviously one of those times where someone realised, hey, this is not, there's something going on there's some sort of breakdown in how we've gathered data I need to work out how to deal with it right. so uh, I mean if we look at it purely statistically you have classic censored data which is in this case left sensors as a rule we get right sensor data where uh, for example if we run a test and we terminate the test after a thousand hours and we have a number of prototypes still working that's right censored data their true failure points are to the right of a thousand hours because that's when you stopped testing if that was still working. Right. Um, but, uh, sometimes you have left sensor data, uh, where you know that the, the thing failed before, if, if, if you have hopefully our, our man might have data which says, okay, we did have these number of machines fail in the first five years, et cetera, et cetera. But you actually now have a really, um, uh, I talked about left and right sensor data. he He may even have to treat this as interval sensor data for many many uh, machines because he knows they are working at the start or not working at the finish. Either way, there's statistical things you can do to tell your model that hey, this data wasn't observed for the first five five years. Um, but the other problem with statistical, well, that's not a problem, but that's how you deal with it. and And you do lose information when you censor data obviously or used sensor data, but um, the other problem, I think you might be jumping onto this as well, is that five years is a long time, and the machine or the product our, our uh, questioner is focusing on, that might've changed in how it fails. So the failure characteristics and trends in years one through five might be completely different to years uh, six through to eight. Yeah. So that's when you do statistical analysis you assume that you're observing the same phenomenon or set of phenomena um when you try to go outside your window of of observation so i suppose that those were my initial thoughts when it came to um the, the statistical challenges but of course you can also do things like expert judgment to fill in the gaps and there are some ways you can do it where it's actually not as bad as you think
0: yeah and that well that was basically my response is the data is left censored and the statistics will, you know, attempt to fill in some of that but it by no means will do a great job at it. And nope. then the uh the fallback is um exactly that the idea that it it may well be a different type of failure mechanisms. And so understanding nature of that equipment with like an FMEA type study will say, well, these are the types of things we get at installation and, and early use of this thing or in different conditions and loads that we put on the equipment or, you know, how has the equipment changed over time and how would that lead to different failure mechanisms? And I, Using that kind of a of a look at the equipment and talking to the, the operators and technicians and repair teams and uh, go to your spares locker and look at what kind of parts were being pulled, if those records exist. They may not be the history of that equipment, but it might give you some clues as to the nature of failures that were occurring. Um, uh-huh. But you can do... Some research for the people that have been in and around that equipment for, that, for the, during that period, and get some anecdotal evidence, and then start to form both the, uh, you know, engineering type look at well, what could fail and what what are likely to have failed, and then looking at the anecdotal evidence to 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 basically bound where you want that to be, and so that's that was my approach. Was well, you know that it's likely that some things have failed and you know that it's either assuming that there were none or assuming that it just started at three years ago as as a fresh piece of equipment is probably going to underestimate what the whole picture is. And so filling in some of that with these other techniques may be the, the appropriate thing to do, knowing that it's still going to be fuzzy, but it's better than ignoring the whole
1: Right, you don't want to ever throw away data. There's a saying that um, uh, classical statisticians complain that there's never enough data, where Bayesian statisticians complain we don't use the data we have well enough. Um, yeah. So uh, it's a, it, it's a um, there's, there's information out there, we just need to be interested in, in finding it and maybe pushing ourselves outside our comfort zones in terms of, hey, is uh, subjective data useful? And the answer is subjective data is, a, is one of the best forms of data we have. Like when you are designing something from scratch, your design team is using their subjectivity to work out whether we should have a hydraulic pump versus a pneumatic pump or, or all those little teeny tiny design changes or design characteristics. There's no algorithm for these things. This is all about um, subjective assessments about, about what is best for the design. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, moving forward, you you just you cannot be a data snob if you don't have a lot of data. And as a rule, we don't have a lot of that beautifully formulaic university standard double blind study data out there to
0: to help us make decisions. (laughs) Although there's plenty of factories and facilities that have terabytes of data that it's but it's from faulty sensors and ignored systems. And, you know, we're drowning in data that we don't look at. And then when we sit down and look at, well, what's the failure, the record of failures for this piece of equipment, we can't find it. Either we can't find it or it doesn't exist, or we ran out of space or they killed that server, you know, (laughs) it's like, yeah. I don't know how many places I've been that they have uh, a major expense just to gather and store all the data. I says, well, what do you do with it all? It says, oh, we, we keep it just in case. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. <laughs> it's pretty expensive just in case here, guys. Um, yep. But I digress. Um, so there's plenty of reasons for incomplete data. I mean, the team got their act together and decided, hey, we really do need to keep track of this stuff. And and so that's a good change or it was lost or there was an acquisition and the records were not transferred over or up I mean there's a bazillion different reasons for this yet the, the knowledge within the organization probably can shed some light on it.
1: That's right. Um, and I suppose we don't know what decision he's trying to inform. We probably should have started with that. So this podcast, <laughs> That's, true. Um, That's true. If he wants to know the reliability of this thing, is it to inform a life of type decision? Is it to inform warranty extension? Is it to inform spares projections, et cetera, et cetera? Because each one of those things requires different metrics. Um, spares projection isn't actually based on true reliability characteristics in all uh, The frequency of failure sounds like it's reliability, but it's not necessarily. You might be interested in the failure rate as of today versus five to eight year reliability um, characteristics the probability of failure over that time. It, it's a we need to know the decision that our man is trying to answer or inform i should say by doing this analysis well it, what you're
0: suggesting is that the three years history might be good enough to know whether it, the machine is increasing failure rate or decreasing failure rate you know right. is it getting is your current maintenance program helping or hurting the machine are you interested
1: in interested in, in retiring it are you interested in again spares projection you don't really care how it was behaving in the first five years you want to know how it's behaving over the over the over the last three years and when you do that is a good chance three years of data is isn't bad potentially potentially so you might be able to project that out moving forward um well that brings up
0: i mean another technique is to um you know, with a trained eye, inspect the equipment. Because there are types of systems and parts that have, you know, maybe a five- or ten-year expected lifetime on on the equipment. And they may exhibit the wear patterns that say, hey, it's getting close. We need to do something about it. So there's maybe some condition-based type stuff that you could use Mm -hmm. to inform how old is this element of the machine. Is this pump or brake pad or whatever what is its current state and use that to inform some of the opinion I, the trouble is is i don't know what kind of equipment it is but if it's the kind that has it, like a 40 year expected lifetime you may be able to um you know look at subsystems and work out how i mean it's like looking at a, a used car in the used car lot if the dashboard is all Dried out and cracked from sun damage, and the guy saying that it only has 10,000 miles on it and was always kept in a garage, you kind of go, hmm, I don't think so. <laughs>
1: no. Right. Yeah, it's um, again, but it comes back to the decision you're trying to inform. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know. We, we probably need a little bit more information, which is probably what the questioner is complaining about in the first place, not having enough information. But um, mm-hmm. to answer the question, better we need to know what decision he or she is, tr- I think it's he is trying to inform. And that's that's a big deal. Um, in, in many cases, you don't need to have the entire operating history of something to make a reliability sort of related decision moving forward.
0: Um, well, we also don't know, I mean, we got the note was that we have three years of history. um, But is this a piece of equipment that fails daily or once a year or hasn't failed in the last three years?
1: Um, Right. If it's all survival data, that's another story as well.
0: Right. And and the other way I see missing data or incomplete data is that we say we had downing events, uh, say on a production line or a, 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 a process system and the failures caused the line to go down or the process to fail. Um, but then it doesn't capture, well, what was the root cause of that? You know, was each of the downing events, something different, or or are all of the downing events, the same piece of element of that system, uh, which isn't very informative. If you're trying to, to improve the uptime of your equipment, um, you know, do you have a, a broad systemic problem across all of the elements of your system and it's just falling apart or is it really just you're buying the wrong bearings? and They just mm-hmm. fail quickly, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, so it, part of incomplete data, it can go in all kinds of different directions, but back to your your idea that is, well, let's say that you're trying to figure out, well, what are the spares that we need going forward? And we have three years of data. Would that be appropriate?
1: Well, I mean, the spares, I mean, if it's the engine of a truck, which only gets replaced once every three years, maybe not, because um, right. you might have uh, zero failures or one failure, and that's not a lot of information to work out how many spares you need. If it's tyres on a mining truck, which you expect to go through pretty regularly, you should have a ton of data in that three-year period. Um, is that broadly fami- uh, similar to your sentiment?
0: Well, yeah, but it's also, you know, another piece that wasn't clear is that, well, do you have more than one piece of equipment, you know, like mining trucks, do I have a a fleet of those? And they're all at different ages. And because if I have two pieces of equipment and one of them was put in eight years ago and I'm missing the first five years of data, but the other one was put in five years ago and I have the first five years of data, um, you know... All is not lost if I'm trying to figure out, well, how do these things perform over time? Now, it doesn't take into account the two pieces of equipment were probably treated differently uh, over time, but let's, you know, that's what you got. So you, you might be able to fill it in or you have back to the expert judgment type thing. You may have people that are familiar with this equipment from a previous work experience that in a similar circumstance, for example, saying, yeah, I commissioned some of this equipment and here's how I, you know, typically behaved over the first five, 10 years. But that's the, um, I don't know. Overall it's, what are you trying to decide is that do you have enough information to inform that? And then expert judgment is your fallback or I call it engineering Uh, what are the likely failure mechanisms? If I know that I have wear mechanisms, let's go to physics of failure type understanding of it. Right. If I know that I've got, um, you know, regular maintenance records of this thing and, and I can track conditions of various elements of the system by the analysis of that, I can determine its state. You know, if, if I'm getting a lot of metal particles in my pump, Well, we probably got something going on here. If I inspect the blades and we got a lot of cavitation going on, corrosion, um, you know, we got something we got to deal with. Um, I don't need a lot of history to know that that doesn't look right. I need to fix that. If this seal is leaking, it doesn't matter if it was leaking five years ago.
1: And if you're interested in in improving reliability, you don't, don't need to measure it. You just need to know what your vital few are which is one more consideration when we're coming back to what decision are we trying to inform with this data analysis?
0: <laughs> so do we just completely confuse the whole issue and say, well, too bad you don't have enough data, um, deal with it. Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it can be summarized like this. Our, our listener said, we don't have enough data, so what can we do? And we said, we don't have enough data about your problem where you don't have enough data. So <laughs> here's tons of different things you can do. But I mean, I think the key message is what decision are you trying to inform? Often we think reliability is vitally important to know and understand um, to make decisions, but it, it might not be. Um, if reliability is vitally important, then you're going to need to use statistical models where you have sensor data um, likelihood functions to incorporate the data and turn it into information. Um, Otherwise, if you're trying to project spares, three years' worth of data might be perfect. It might be great. In fact, if your machine has changed quite considerably from the first five years to the last three years, the first five years of data is is irrelevant anyway. So um, it's just so many scenarios where it could change what we would suggest.
0: Yep, yep. I think the bottom line, though, is that there's many different options. And from expert judgment to similar equipment to anecdotal evidence to all kinds of paths that you can sort out. To mm-hmm. If you need a better picture of what happened in the first five years to inform your current decision you're facing, and then there are ways to get at it. Um, uh, we don't happen to have that time machine that says, oh, you can go back 10 years and train everybody about how to gather exactly the data that you need 10 years from now. So unfortunately, we don't have one of those.
1: My experience has been whenever I've had a client or a, a team or a group or an organisation who say, well, you can you can analyse the data, it's rubbish, it's not very good, it's not it's not clean, you know the the maintainers don't do a good job of putting stuff in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I've always been able to um, pleasantly surprise people with, What I can find, I mean, the two things I tend to do, I believe more than others, is that I take the time to try and find the right model um, and try and work out if there is a right model. Um, You know, for one of my more recent clients, I was able to happily surprise them. I said, "All these, all these values you're seeing during your prototype development are clearly infant mortality." Why is that fantastic? Because these are the sort of things you'd expect when you're trying to uh, improve your manufacturing quality. I haven't seen a single wearout failure, which suggests you're going to not meet your operational life of your product. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's stop worrying about if things are going to accumulate enough damage to fail within the service life. Let's deal with the failures we've got, which are exclusively quality related or installation related or supplier Relationship related. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was, I I think the data I had actually had four data points um, with out of a total of 10 devices being tested for all different durations. Um, And one of them had three failures. Some of them didn't at all. But you could show very clearly, statistically, that, that uh, we know. For example, those ner- you said we were going to nerd things up before we started. <laughs> but for those out of, out there who know what infant mortality is like, you know it has uh, Weibull-like intensity with a scale parameter of zero point four. All right, we'll stop being nerds. So I know that's the sort of trend I'm looking for, and lo and behold, it was those four data points fit it perfectly. Um. And I was able to put confidence bounds. That's the second thing I always do after I try and find the right model, put confidence bounds on and have a contour region of 90, 80, 70, 60%. So people can visualize the uncertainty in the data and that helps us see what we need to see. Um, So I have always been able to surprise people with the amount of relevant, relevant information we can get from data which they don't hold a lot of hope out hope for when they hand it over to me
0: oh uh, you've got a better track record than me i've been handled just piles of random numbers on occasion and says we need you to support this decision and I'm like, all right <laughs> oh
1: i'm not i'm not interested in that sort of client where yeah <laughs> they've made a decision and you, and they they need you to uh help build a wall around their critical thinking yeah okay
0: yeah. well that's i mean that's kind of said facetiously, but it's back to your main point, Chris, is, is, well, what are you trying to do? What decision are you informing here? What are you trying to track or understand or compare or whatever? Um, and then start with that and then work with what you got, find a good model, uh, understand that a model, um, that's purely statistics may not be informative enough and there are other, other methods. Um, mm-hmm. so I think we, uh, danced around this one about 15 different ways. And so if you've got a question that's similar to this, or if you got a couple other things you'd like to add to the mix of this or uh, or just have a different question, as always, please let us know. Join the conversation. You can do that over at ascendoreliability.com slash go slash S-O-R. And you can find Chris and I and the other hosts of the show on LinkedIn and our about pages where this, happen, this question happened to come through. So we certainly appreciate that and look forward to hearing from you. So Chris, I'm going to go look for more data today.
1: (laughs) Good (laughs) luck. And if you find it, it becomes expert judgment. There you go. By definition.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Talk to you later. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.